the incomparable. Number 313, August 2016. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. Uh, now, before we get started this week, I want to do a disclaimer here. I know that the Star Wars Rogue One trailer came out this week, and everybody expects us to do one of those endless trailer deconstruction things that we sometimes do. But I talked to John Syracuse. Uh, he did watch it, which is a big step for him, but he said he was sort of too busy doing other things and didn't really have a lot to say about it and thought he would just sort of let it ride and save his thoughts until the movie came out. And I talked to Dan Morin, and he's on vacation, and it just kind of didn't happen. And, you know, we can't cover every trailer. So anyway, we will definitely cover the movie when it comes out in December. But until then, we're just going to move on and talk about this week. The Incomparable, number 313, August 2016. It is a period of civil war. Rebel podcasters, striking from a hidden studio, have won their first victory against the evil incomparable Empire. During the battle, a rebel host managed to steal secret plans to the Empire's ultimate weapon, the Rogue One Trailer 2 Analysis, a podcast with enough power to destroy an entire network. Yes, hello everybody and welcome back to The Incomparable and another of our insanely overindulgent analyses of a 90-second Star Wars trailer. However, as befits a new kind of movie starring a bunch of rebels, this episode is also different. I'm your squad leader, Anthony Johnston, and today I have assembled a ragtag group of misfits, scum and villains that includes expert strategist Chip Suddeth. If this movie doesn't include the lesser Sarlacc of Dathomir, as presented in Star Wars Galaxies, the MMO, it sucks. <laughs> Tech and munitions expert Liz Miles. I expect many references to HK-47, who is whose successor is featured in the MMO uh, uh, The Old Republic, the other and better Star Wars one. Your expectations will be met. And last but definitely not least, elite marksman Moises Chuyan. Down with the Legends universe, up with the new expanded universe. <laughs> oh, controversy. <laughs> um, all right, so let us start with a few general thoughts uh, about these movies and the trailer before we go to the sort of blow-by-blow, frame-by-frame. And the first thing that we have to raise is the question where do you stand crawl or no crawl i personally don't think there will be a crawl on these anthology movies but what about you guys i don't think there should be a crawl um i think that this is uh, the the logic that the that kathleen kennedy has given in past interviews you know they were they're still deciding whether or not it will have a crawl but her logic for there not being one was this is not a saga. This is an anthology. It's a side story. Uh, so I think it should. I think it should just go right into the action. I fear nothing. All is as the force wills it. I, <laughs> I I had a very strong opinion once upon a time that it absolutely had to have a crawl in it. Um, I'll be fine if it doesn't. But it, even if even if there are a lot of other signifiers that make it different than the saga films that we've become accustomed to, the only films that we really have to use as examples, um, I would be fine if the crawl is something that we just get at the beginning of any of these adventures. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very, um, you know, at the balance point of the force about it, I guess, as it were, um, for, for nostalgia's sake, even I don't think that they've got to keep the thing in. 
Um, but it's it's a nice note for folks who may be a little bit confused about when this happens, what's going on, who who think that, wait a minute, how is this happening after episode seven? Isn't Darth Vader dead? Those who aren't paying as much attention as many of us hyper nerds do. Um, the crawl is is something that I, I can see as as ending up winning out in that series of arguments, which we all uh, know have happened uh, exactly how contentious they were. Nobody knows. But I could I could see the crawl winning out specifically as as an opportunity to set the time and and overall setting of the movie for people who who they assume haven't been watching Tumblr for eighteen months. But is that I mean I see your point. But does that really is there anybody who is going to go into a movie like this not knowing? anything at all about it you know and not knowing oh this one's set before the first movie or the han solo one is oh it's young han solo you know well no my my you know my my wife had no idea and would have walked into the theater well she has no idea now disoriented but but she's got another four months of media saturation to somehow try and avoid to still not know that you know, come she'd maybe see the she'd maybe see ads on TV, but otherwise, you know, she's not reading up on articles or reading interviews or anything like that. I, you know, that's 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 the thing for me is that as they do the anthology films in between the saga films, having the crawl in place as as a as a means of telling people when this is happening, before or after this or that or the other. Uh, th- that's that's what I can see being the the functional use of the crawl, the reason to use the crawl rather than just well, Star Wars movies start with a crawl. I guess, I guess, but I I don't know. I, well, Liz, what do you think? I, I have no strong feelings for <laughs> crawl. It starts with an anthology movie. If it was in the regular Star Wars run of movies with an episode number, then if it didn't have one, I would find that infuriating. But when it comes to these ones, I. I have no strong feelings, which depresses me deeply, as if there's one thing I can't stand, it's someone sitting on a bloody fence. But unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. I can't bring myself to move to either side. You know, in, in, lieu, of a cl- in lieu of a crawl, could we have that uh, newsreel announcer type voice from the beginning of those uh, Clone Wars episodes? <laughs> oh, God. They could, they, could, they could bring Greg Proops back from episode one, one of the pod racing announcers, you know, oh, and, uh, no! Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Was that, was that Greg Proops? I had no idea. Man. Greg Proops was, was one of the one of the two heads of the of the pod race announcers. Uh, one one of realize. my favorite episodes of a a podcast called uh, uh, I was I was there something like that. I'll, I'll I'll find it and give it to you for the show notes. Um, but him talking about the experience of being told, "All right, Greg, there's this job, and you're going to want to take it, but I can't tell you anything else about it." Okay, <laughs> and then he shows up, and all right, I'm in Star Wars. I have no idea what I'm doing, and I'm going into a booth, and I'm going to be saying these lines, and then I'm done. Right? Yeah, uh, no and context. Then, then he became part of Star Wars lore. One other, one other crawl option. It could just be a really short crawl that goes. This is not about the boffins. God damn it. <laughs> Forget the goddamn boffins. Wrong movie. Wrong Death Star. Um, I've learned I've learned just how many of my friends are fake Star Wars fans by with the, the ones that have made those yeah. boffins jokes. Oh my god, it's an easy mistake to make. I had I didn't say it out loud, but that I did have that thought. And then I realized, <laughs> so hang on a second, wrong movie. Mom Mothma isn't yeah. in this. One is it isn't in the first one, so of course it can't be. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's, it's no, the one, it's the one, the ones who double down on it. The the ones who go, oh, okay, I was wrong. They can stay, but the ones who say, no, 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 
I right, know what I'm yeah. talking about. All See, right, buddy. my feelings on the crawl is, I mean, if they don't, if they do or don't have one, you know, regardless, I'm not going to sort of cry into my popcorn or anything. But I feel not having a crawl would be a way of uh, of them proving that these new movies aren't about nostalgia for a start. Uh, but also, it'd be a way of really shaking things up because at the moment, like every Star Wars movie ever has the crawl, has the fanfare, has the star field and then pans down from the star field to a ship or a planet or, you know, something in space. Imagine if this movie started with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away and then just immediately cut to some somebody running through corridors while sirens are blaring and things explode around them. That would be so new, so shocking. I mean, it's not new in cinematic terms, but for Star Wars, that would be so unusual. Yes, you know? but that would be upsetting. That would be upsetting the way I expect the first shot to be of a bloody ship. That's why I'm going to see Star Wars. I, I think ship. it would be upsetting in a good way, in as kind of, mm. you know shock people out of their comfort way. I like my comfort zone. It's comfy here. I want my ship. I want the nostalgia as well, God damn it. That's why I'm going. I'm not going for their crazy new ideas. I just want delicious recycled 1970s, early 80s sci-fi. The point of a comfort zone is that it's comfortable. I just want the dirty dozen in space. That's, that's all I want is the dirty dozen in space, since apparently we couldn't get a good dirty dozen with supervillains. See, I, uh, just thinking about the anthology movies in general, when they first announced that this is what they were going to do, I wasn't too enthused. I mean, I wasn't immediately mm. against the idea, but I wasn't particularly enthused because I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. But then when the very first trailer for this, the teaser trailer for this, immediately had me interested, partly because just of, you know, because of the story that they're, that they're doing. But then this yeah. trailer especially, this trailer really got me. And I started to think... I mean, maybe it's hyperbolic to say that I might actually enjoy these more than the saga movies. That's probably not true. But I do feel I'm going to enjoy these a lot because there is something about these that appeals to the same part of me that uh, the Star Wars role-playing game appealed to me, which is, you know, this idea of what happens away from the heroes, uh, what happens in the other parts of the galaxy that Han and Luke aren't in, um, and not just at different times, at the same time, but just in a different physical place. What is happening? Um, and the I, you know, I feel I feel like I feel like the diversity of the games is something that they actually have an opportunity in. You know, in this trailer, we see a lot more emphasis on the wars part of Star yes, Wars. It yes. feels like a war film, like where eagles dare or something like that. And and I love the notion that who knows we could get uh, we could get a. Uh, a rogue squadron, you know, game type uh, movie narrative out of doing something with Black Squadron uh, from the new uh, from the right. new uh, saga trilogy of films. There's there's no reason they couldn't do a side story that just stars Oscar Isaac and Snap Wexley and all those guys. Um, there's there's possibility that uh, that the Han Solo movie is going to be Treasure Island in space, which Disney tried to do in animated form and failed miserably. But as a Star Wars movie, maybe it'd work great. And I, I I like being able to move away from the um, the the family saga destined chosen one hero narrative and and get to play around in this universe in interesting ways. And we even get uh, you know some of the things that that we see more of in this trailer are elements that that George Lucas had developed for the uh, the Star Wars Underworld TV series that never happened and may never happen in the in the form that it was originally envisioned. Uh, and I, you know, I, I like I like that we're getting to to play with different toys in the set in a in a live action film way that we've only seen in 
games like The Force Unleashed or Rogue Squadron or Knights of the Old Republic or any of the, the various games that have honestly sustained the Star Wars universe when there have been those big gaps in movie production. I was actually referring to the original West End Games role-playing game, <laughs> which was released on the 10th anniversary of the original Star Wars way back in the day. But that's oh, just, gosh. yeah, that's just me showing my age. <laughs> no, no, I, was, I, I am, I'm literally Return of the Jedi years old. So I, I, I apologize for my ignorance. <laughs> babes, babes, all of you. Um, I made the joke at the beginning about Star Wars Galaxies, uh, in part because this this trailer actually sort of evokes a bit of that feeling of, as you said, Anthony, you know, what's happening in the rest of the world. Um, and the this this trailer actually has me I, I, I am genuinely more excited and I loved Force Awakens, but I'm genuinely more excited about this trailer. And the only thing that I can put my finger on of why that is, because that seems so wrong, you know, this is this is. This is slotted into continuity. The Force Awakens was new story. And yet, uh, when I was seeing Force Awakens trailers, I was wondering how J.J. Abrams was going to screw it up. <laughs> this act, this has to fit into the canon that was established by uh, the six movies and Clone Wars. Um, not the rest of the expanded universe and all this other stuff, although we actually have a Clone Wars character that appears in this movie. Um, but... Um, there's a certain amount of this feels comfortable. This feels familiar. These are the stormtroopers that I that look that well, look like they them. did yeah. back then. Most of them. Um, this feels like it fits in to the past. So it's it's really scra scratching that nostalgia itch that Liz was talking about. I'm a little embarrassed about it myself, though, because I, shouldn't I be excited about the newness, the fact that this is a war movie set in the Star Wars universe that should look so different, and yet there's so much of it that looks so familiar. Right, doesn't comforting. look different at all, yeah. I think there's also, I think you've touched on something that... Uh, that I, I've only just sort of realised myself, but you're right, that one of the... Uh, one of the things running up to The Force Awakens was that none of us knew whether it would be any good. And we were all sort of bracing ourselves just <laughs> in case it was terrible, you know? Um, uh, and now we know it was good. We know we enjoyed it. And so I think we're all a bit more relaxed. And so uh, we're, not, we're watching these trailers with a different mindset because we watched those trailers going, OK, this trailer looks good, but it could still be terrible and ruin my childhood all over again. Whereas this trailer, we're looking at it and going, OK, this trailer looks good. And they've already done it right once, so they're probably going to do it right again. You know, I think we've just got a bit more faith and confidence in them. Yeah, and I think one of the main things for me that I found, dis well, there was a, there's a whole list, obviously, but the, one of the most disconcerting things about the, the second trilogy was that everything looked so clean and oh shiny God, yeah, and yeah. unreal. But we know from the trailer, that's not the case here. I mean, one of the things I absolutely love was how every character looked as though they'd been pretty messed up and they got like either mud on their face or their hair was mushed up. Even, right. okay, they still look cool. But that that was just like, oh, that's so great. The, that's, the only people who look clean are Mon Mothma and the Imperial uh, guy, basically. 
basically. <laughs> yes. She's like the only person who keeps her hair, which is fine because she's like behind the lines. But all these people out fighting, they actually look so they're out fighting. It's not like you're living in magic CGI world that you expect me to believe in. Why are you making me cry movie? Why? <laughs> I, I, you know, the, the, the thing that I, I immediately want to jump in with is just the presence of Donnie Yen, one of my favorite martial arts performers yep, in yep. cinema history. Having him in this, uh, you know, the, I, I'm, I'm of two minds. On the one hand, I don't know if any of these characters are going to survive. At the same time, you know, how in, in what capacity would they show up the 30 years later that we could see them in the saga films? But Yen's character in particular, I'm thinking, I mean, wouldn't wouldn't it be great to just apply some old age makeup and, and graying to the hair and, and have him show up in episode eight or nine? Right. Um, because why, why would you just use him in one one-off movie? Uh, when well, but you, you can when say you have... the same about most of the cast in this. I mean, this is yeah. a really, really good cast. You know, Forrest yes, Whisker, exactly Felicity Jones, I... Donnie Yen. It's it's yeah. a really good cast. So you could say that about all of them. I yeah, that that's that's exactly where, where I'm coming from. Is is uh, you know, I started with Yen, and then I started thinking about basically everyone else. Uh, and I haven't even seen the movie yet. And the franchise has effectively, quote unquote, sold me on the toys <laughs> where I just I, I want, I, you know, the, these are all characters that I, I want more than one movie of of, uh, of story out of them. Uh, and if it's just one movie and we get some great story out of them, that's great. If they do more things with uh, with animation that, that use these characters, that'd be great. Of course, we have a character that that started in animation in in Saw Gerrera, uh, played by Forrest Whitaker. Um this this movie is selling me more and more and more on the very intentional expansion of the universe uh, all around where I don't feel like this is some some add on that I guess I could watch if I want as a Star Wars fan. It feels as compulsory as the saga films for me uh, where I, I want to see these other corners of the universe that, you know, there there isn't uh, there isn't time or. Um, capital for uh, to spend in the uh, in the saga films in the saga movies. One of the things I love about Star Wars that I've always loved about Star Wars is that along with uh, along with Alien actually and Blade Runner to an extent, it really cemented my lifelong love of the lived-in sci-fi look um mm. i i have always and i blame this entirely on star wars i have always had real trouble with sort of shiny gernsbachian science fiction uh you know the sort of old school buck rogers stuff where everything's rocket ships <laughs> and fins and silver jumpsuits um yeah and these tra- it's, it's one of the reasons i don't mind scuffing up my iphones because right. i feel like it, it makes it more star wars like that it looks like the Millennium falcon that's got some scrapes on it but these trailers messed up i think these trailers get that across perfectly there is a shot it's not in this trailer it's it's in the teaser. There is a shot of uh, Jin, Jin Erso, Felicity Jones's character, the main character, uh, where she's in, she's leaning her head against the window of like a transport of some kind with light streaming in. Uh, and there's no context. I mean, you have no idea. But the way it's shot and the way the light falls, it could be from like a contemporary war film. It could be a shot of somebody going into Fallujah or something, you know? Uh, the rebel base, every time we see it, apart from the war rooms, it looks completely run down and half derelict. And <laughs> I've always loved that about Star Wars. And they, as Liz said, the prequels, you know, just looked entirely... I mean, okay, sure, it was meant to be a time of... The High Republic doesn't matter, but even so, yeah, it it just looked terrible. In the Old Republic, the delightful game, it's it manages to have that lived-in feel look in parts of even the Republic. I mean, some bits are quite shiny, but but you, you know, you can play a smuggler. You're on the good side. You still get your cool ship that looks awesome and all 
mucky and stuff and it's great and they <laughs> completely didn't get that with with those ones there and even the cartoon which is my other favorite bit of not the outside the main continuity of star wars is star wars rebels i didn't really get into clone wars and i've still not seen the whole of it but i keep meaning to because rebels obviously falls on from clone wars and takes all that continuity with it and uh and it's it's so good and it's set in the same time period as this it's just a, a few years before the first movie so they're also out they're out on the rim with uh, a surviving apprentice and and a rebel pilot um smuggler pilot person and it's great their ship's terrible and it's yeah i I, I like that (laughs) everything a star wars ship should be falling to pieces (laughs) (laughs) all right what a hunk of junk hey you came here in this you're braver than i thought so (laughs) let's let's start actually going through the trailer then so we start off with this shot of well, we start off with a piano version of the Imperial March, which is very nice. Um, but then we get a shot of a city built on some kind of man-made plateau on yet another desert planet. Lots of desert planets in Star Wars. Uh, and these massive, enormous, like, metal walls built up from the rocks surrounding the city with TIE fighters and shuttles soaring over it. So we, you know, presume it's an Imperial city. Um, again, this is something... We haven't really seen. Yes, we have have had cityscapes, especially in the prequels. Uh, lots of cityscapes there, but none of them looked quite like this. This looks like a city that kind of grew up organically. Organically, <laughs> if it was cre- organically, if it was created by giant city growing plants from the mouth of hell. I mean, I get a bit of a, I get a bit of a uh, Anton First uh, Gotham City vibe from it. Oh yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, and there's this enormous uh, tower at one end of it as well, dwarfing everything else. Uh, which you know, I'm going to go ahead and presume that that's some kind of a target for part of the mission, or you know, that it's important at any rate because it's so enormous. It's nice. I like I like how Star Wars sticks with subtle imagery and and meaning. It's it's very. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is that a Dalek next to the? Uh, no, that's no. not. Yeah, subtle, subtlety's never really been Star Wars uh, forte, has it? But you know, and that's a good thing. Um, yeah, steer into no, the I, skid. I, I, steer I, into I'm the not skid. complaining. I'm I'm very happy with its its old, kind of old school divisions of themes, and that this is good, this is evil. Yep. Don't get them mixed up, kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, now, my little the, the, my little the fact that people have complained about that opening shot having an upside down Death Star in it really speaks to Star Wars being extremely. You know, this is this is this is how things are supposed to look. Uh, that's uh, not sort of a thing, even though there is no upside down in space. There right. is no upside down. And, you know, and, and I understand that I had the same reaction. You know, you look at this first shot and I have to keep the fanboy gene in check because we never saw shuttles like those before. Right. You know, you know yeah. what's a U-wing? What, what, what do you mean U-wing? I've never yeah. heard of this. It was the Have original Star Wars RPG, actually, that taught me down is where your feet are. In space. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Although I, I'm the same with the ships. If I didn't fly it in Star Wars X-Wing computer game mid-90s, it doesn't exist. <laughs> it's, it's my judgment call. Right. So, okay, I actually, that answers a question I was going to ask later about the uh, the Rebel ship. So it's called a U-Wing, is it? Okay. So um, from this, we get to a very, very short um, clip of Jin meeting Forrest Whitaker's character. Now... Did I hear? Did you? Somebody say that this is a character from Clone Wars. Yeah, it is. So yeah, it w- showed up for maybe two, three episodes of Clone Wars back in the day, and is now a grizzled old veteran. Ah, see, I had no idea. Okay, well, that's interesting then, because in Clone Wars, does he have big hair or is he bald? Uh, shorter hair. 
Which, okay. Because closer it, to the head. In the teaser trailer, he when Forrest Whitaker turned up, he was bald and he only had a short beard. And here he's got quite a long beard and lots of hair. Ah, uh, Anthony, the magic of reshoots. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was going to say, so presumably either... This is just reshoots, um, or yeah, presumably these parts are th- the two scenes where we see that are far apart, and he's you know shaved his hair off, ready for action or something. Um, I was wondering if we might get a sort of Gandalf White Wizard scenario there, but I don't know because I know nothing about this character. I didn't realize that he was an existing character. Yeah, everybody who was a, a huge Clone Clone Wars fan went completely bonkers when they when they revealed what he looked like, they were like, this is who this is. And I hadn't watched Clone Wars, but bits and pieces here and there. And so I was saying, what, what's what's the big deal, kids? Clue me in. I, Grandpa doesn't know what's happening. So what is the big deal? It's that, that he was a character from Clone Wars. That was the first time they were, they were bringing forward something from one of the animated series into the live action series, which there, there really hasn't, especially in the, in the case of a person that, um, that uh, that wasn't directly tied to uh, Clone Wars interacting with the prequels, which, oh, look, it's General Grievous during the same time period that these movies are set. This is a character from well before uh, when this movie is set that's being brought into live action for the first time. And, and that wasn't that wasn't very loudly trumpeted as, oh, boy, wait till you see this guy for 12 seconds in episode three. Yeah. He was a he was a leader of and I haven't seen the episodes in question, but he was a leader of the Andaran rebels, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, and helped lead the resistance movement to victory over the uh, you know the General Grievous's group alongside Je- the Jedi Ahsoka Tano and Anakin Skywalker, and uh, just I, I get a little bit of a fanboy shiver over that because we saw we saw the last shot of the trailer we saw. Darth Vader in there. <laughs> right, so right. getting those two together might be fun. And um, incomparable regular Philip Moselak, who wanted to be here today but couldn't, uh, wants us to point out that he's wearing what is effectively a Vader harmonica around his neck. And we have no idea what that means. I mean, is that part of his armour on the show or does this, you know, it really does look quite similar. Anyone? Has anybody seen the show? <laughs> I'm looking at it. It doesn't. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm buying it. But oh, okay. uh, all right. Well, well, aside from from people immediately being furious that John Syracuse is, and on this recording, they'll be furious that none of us are huge Clone Wars fans. Um, so we've we doubly failed as right. the, the, um, the reserve <laughs> Star Wars trailer crew. Clearly, but clearly, we're least, all at fake least we're doing it well. Yeah, forcefully. Yeah. But I'm glad. I'm glad that they're doing this, if for no other reason. You know, as much as the. Um, in the extended expanded universe uh partisans just sort of drive me crazy um you know we did if you were an old school star wars fan you sort of did lose a certain sense of connection and of continuity with all that stuff being taken away um i it's it it completely surprises and pleases me that they would take a piece from clone wars and put it in this very expensive very grown up movie yeah, they have they have done a lot for Clone Wars, so they obviously hold it in a pretty high regard. Considering, I mean, it's not just the movie thing here. They have a whole, there's a whole other cartoon series that they're taking all of the continuity from Clone Wars and using it and characters from it ongoing. I mean, Ahsoka Tano turns up again in in Rebels, and uh, it's yeah, they, they, it is a great cartoon from what I've seen of it. I haven't seen the whole thing, but it is very good. And uh, yeah, no, well done. Yeah, the, the the notion of, of Saw Gerrera, you know, being a young, fresh-faced, uh, angry young man and being the wizened by war, uh, you know, haggard veteran uh, at this point, even for people who haven't seen the show, I think is is interesting. 
not just because I think it'll it'll make people fire up their Netflix accounts and and jump over to Clone Wars and start binging through it, but because it it really does lend that sense of broader continuity to the overall right. series. Um, mm. You know, they, they've just announced that in the next season of Star Wars Rebels, uh, a guy named Thrawn is going to show up. And I know that many people, not me, uh, who are who are gigantic Grand Admiral Thrawn uh, fans. I think I just heard a squee there. Yeah, I, think, oh, it was, I think we have one a, of them. <laughs> that was an amusement thing. No, Star Wars. Star, uh, I, I, my Star Wars continuity is the computer games. If they started yeah. jossing the computer games, I would get very upset. But luckily, either I, I can just quietly ignore anything contradicts it um it, I, i'm not i haven't read any books or i've tried to read some i'm not a i did not engage with them terribly well but i, I do know who thrawn yeah. is and i i do oh god help me i do play an, uh, an imperial intelligence agent who's a chiss in on on the computer on a semi-regular <laughs> basis so i am thrilled if we get the chiss turning up in star wars rebels that'll be brilliant <laughs> Yeah, like no, Thrawn himself is now is now canonized and in actual Star Wars continuity, which made a lot of people excited. Those Marvelous. same people generally are the ones who are saying, "Well, we're gonna get Mara Jade, and she's gonna show up in Episode Eight, and they've they've stealth cast." No, it's not gonna happen. They've they've officially said, "No, we're just not using Mara Jade." Period. Luke Skywalker didn't get married to a Sith, and blah 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 blah. blah. Okay, I've just angered about seven thousand people. Um, <laughs> But yeah. the, you know the, the 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 fact that there is this sense of of broader continuity of a of of the galaxy being a big wide crazy place is something that I feel as we continue to define the as they call it Kelvin timeline in the new Star Trek films and as we grow out Star Wars is something that will continue to set Star Wars apart as a space thing where the universe does not feel as tiny as it does with just the saga films where we're just continuously orbiting the Skywalker family and whatever Ray mm-hmm. ends up being. Um, Although being able to, to jump yeah. out to the fringes, it, it, it feel, it feels pretty nice, even Although, though we're still orbiting them with this movie. Yeah. I, I think that ties into why I'm a part of the reason that, that this grabs me so much is because uh, the, the the continuity that I'm most invested in is from 4,000 years ago. And <laughs> it's a huge universe that you, you, you play in there. And there's, there's all these, uh, eight different main storylines to play through in it and uh, and so to get something of that echoing back and not just about this tiny group of people and this one family is is marvelous it is and uh but we keep talking about the sort of wide universe so, and expanding everything and yet this scene once again seems to take place on a desert planet now, presumably it's the same desert planet. I don't know. But there are an awful lot of desert planets in this There's galaxy. There's nothing wrong with desert planets. Like... I, as, as a big fan of Dune, I love it whenever a desert planet throws up in science fiction. It's great. I, get, I mean, I get to make sandworm jokes. I, I love me annoy a people. <laughs> It's like half the galaxy looks like northern Tunisia. <laughs> Fair enough. That seems pretty it's, likely it seems, to me. Well, in, in the same way that it seems all three Star Trek movies uh, thus far <laughs> have to have a scene in a place that resembles Dubai. Uh, that's true, yes. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on from there, we cut back to that city on the plateau. Um, but mm-hmm. now we pan up and we see an enormous Star Destroyer hovering overhead. And we can see that huge tower in full and it kind of reaches up. I don't know, is it a refueling spot or something? It reaches up to the like the middle of the Star Destroyer. Um, but that's an interesting one as well, this uh, this idea that 
uh, presumably this whole city, if it is an imperial city, or if it's under the imperial thumb. I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's impossible to tell, but it's a it's a beautiful image and subtle. I like subtle. <laughs> but I also, but I, I also did. A, I do a little cheer every time a star destroyer comes on screen because they're the coolest Star Wars ships. Obviously, oh, that was the that was the that was the sit up and take notice moment of the Force Awakens trailer was the crashed star destroyer. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. 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 People um, who want an X wing, those people are fools. I want a star destroyer, nothing less. Yeah, and this this one was oh, and so they can just park a star destroyer over a planet's surface, not in orbit, just, you know, hovering. Right. Just well, hanging out. Actually, thinking about it, because uh, you're right, the, the, the crashed Star Destroyer and the X-Wings flying through atmosphere over the lake were the two things in the, the Force Awakens trailer that made me, really made me go, ooh, okay, interesting. Um, and, but that was the first time I think that we'd ever seen X-Wings really sort of, you know, flying properly and actually entering combat inside a planet's atmosphere. And I think this might be the time that we've seen a Star Destroyer flying in atmosphere. Yes, we've seen them crashed on a planet, but I don't think we've ever seen them actually flying in atmosphere before. No, it violates every law of physics, but oh, sure. it lo- looks, <laughs> looks imposing as hell. Yeah, <laughs> Star Wars, it violates every law of physics. Yep. It's pretty much the tagline, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so yeah, Imperial flags reign across the galaxy. Uh, the world is coming undone, according to Forrest Whitaker's character. Um, and uh, and then here's our protagonist, our heroine, who is going to uh, presumably save the day and uh, you know put it all back together as Jin enters the rebellion. Now this is a repeat of a shot that we had in the teaser where we're behind her entering the sort of rebel war room. Um, but one thing that didn't strike me as much, I don't think, uh, watching the teaser, but really did here, uh, apart from the fact that it's the only part of the Rebel base that looks clean, uh, is how much this is riffing on the escape from New York idea of she's clearly, you know, about to be sent off to some prison planet on the outer rim for the rest of her life. And instead they're saying, okay, but if you do this, you know, presumably a suicidal mission for us, then we'll let you off. Yeah, I like that she's that she's not uh, clean cut, you know, an aristocrat or so. she's not she's not a Princess Leia type, you know, Princess Leia in other clothes. Uh, there's something dangerous. There's something uncontrollable about her. I like that we have that sense of mystery about about Jin Erso at this point, uh, and uh, presumably as we as we will in the movie. Um, the 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 uh, speaking lines from Diego Luna's character uh, immediately you know bring up a, a thought that only becomes more pronounced as we continue through the trailer. In that this Star Wars universe isn't afraid to have people of color who aren't under latex masks or whose accents aren't being used as the nat- the the uh, native voices of alien races which is nice it's you know it's it's nice to uh, to see that uh, non-white um uh anglo uh, american or english uh, characters aren't the the norm of humans right and um, e- english uh, and american english aren't the only accents that you'll hear in exactly. the star wars universe mm. yeah um, the the planet itself uh, at this point the you know the the name uh, I don't know if if mentioning the name of the planet is a spoiler uh, depending on how sensitive people are but the the director has been talking about it they've been spreading it about uh, but the planet the desert looking planet is apparently called Jeddah um, ah. and the the thing the thing that I find interesting going into this is that it seems like this this is a place that was definitely not. Uh, it, has, it hasn't been occupied by the Empire for long, 
And there's something very specific about having to get in there to either get something, stop something, uh, whether whether the only MacGuffin in the movie is the Death Star plans or if there's something else going on, if there is some oh, I'll be th- amazed technology if there that's being story, developed yeah. for it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would love it if there were multiple things that this team has to surmount, things that even as well as we think we know the original trilogy, things that this group was responsible for doing that, that we're not even aware of. Um, those kinds of, of mysteries, I'm, I'm very, very happy are, are locked inside this mystery box um, that uh, that they are they are sending a wanted criminal after. Um, and despite rumors that are out there and stuff that, that I don't want to get into because it might be a spoiler, it might not. Um, yeah, let's let's I, try and stay fairly spoiler light. Let's you know just stick to what's I, actually in the trailers. I yeah, I, I like I like that the extent of what we know about Jenner. So is that she is she is very much this uh, Snake Plissken type, which is great for a female character in Star Wars or any genre media uh, franchise. That she is dangerous. She is not necessarily to be trusted, and. Nobody, nobody can be one hundred percent sure that she is that she is going to you know stick to her word uh, because she is known to be untrustworthy. Uh, I like that. I like she rebels. that level of danger. She rebels, indeed. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Part of the appeal for me definitely was when I saw the first trailer. I was like, "Hang on, there's a woman starring in it again! Great, that's a two old Star Wars movies." Which, um, well, that, I mean, that's that's tremendously exciting and. I do appreciate that she's playing very much uh, a rogue archetype as well, and I guess I guess the only thing that I find frustrating is I, I love that we get we do get a brief scene with her with Mon Mothma, but everyone else who's uh, in the top cast list here is a guy here. There's like eight guys before there's another woman, and it's just really really Star Wars. Can't can't we have a few more? You know, maybe get up to a third of the cast. Maybe that'd be great. That'd be fine, and then then you know you can try harder next time. That that depresses me a little bit. I agree completely. But I am de- terribly looking forward to to finding out more about her and and her character. I've I've, I've I loved everything that I've seen about about the actress so far, especially when I looked her up. And this, unfortunately, again because you're in the wrong country, it won't mean anything. But uh, she was in a children's show that I watched when I was growing up, where she played a character called Ethel Hallow in The Worst Witch. Um, which was sort of like Harry Potter for girls, but not quite as popular, and uh, and and she was um, d- delightful in she, that. She was also it, in uh, the BBC's version a few years ago of uh, Northanger Abbey, and ah. she, she was fantastic in that because that's a difficult role to pull off. It's a difficult story to film, full stop. But it's a difficult yeah. role to pull off, and she did it I, magnificently. I envy people who are discovering Felicity Jones through this movie because she's she she really has quite a significant resume for someone, uh, you know, not to make an, make age a thing, but but of of her comparatively youthful age, uh, she's really done some amazing work, and not oh, just that- limited to the theory of everything where she's fantastic. And for me, I I almost you know yes, Eddie Eddie Redmayne's great and he deserved awards and all that kind of stuff, but she was fantastic in that film and much more. Um, interesting to, to watch. Uh, there's a whole lot going going on behind the eyes in ways that actors of her generation, it doesn't seem there is that kind of uh, training. You know, there's not that level of chops that, that so many of them have. Uh, she is she is rarely gifted uh, when when it comes to uh, actors of the modern age that uh, that are, are playing the, you know, young, youthful 
lead characters and things. That is actually, that's another thing that I was absolutely thrilled when I found out about it was, um, yes, she is relatively young, but in Hollywood terms, she's not. She's in her early 30s. She is, in fact, older than I am, which is absolutely thrilling. And that's that's something that there's not nearly enough movies. I mean, the, the number of space movies that I get to watch where I've got, there's a, a female lead who wasn't younger than me at the time when they were starring in it is, I can't, I don't know any others. Count them so, on one hand. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's another thing that yes, early thirties isn't exactly old, but it's still like, she's not some. She's not 23. Yeah. Who's doing it or she's not. Yeah. She's not 17 or 17. Like how old's Luke Skywalker supposed to be exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, um, she also she also has as this character anyway loads of swagger. That's the yes. other thing. I like she's got yes she may be surrounded by seven big burly guys, but frankly she has got more swagger than any of them. Just the way she walks around is just phenomenal. Like she is a female Han Solo, and I don't mean that to sort yeah. of diminish her character, but you know she's got that same. She projects that same kind of outlaw, devil-may-care attitude that we all loved in Han Solo. So I'm really looking forward to seeing her in this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, tweet, I tweeted a bit about this, and, and there, there, are those, there are those notable, iconic gates in cinema history. They're very specific. You know, John Wayne had a particular walk. Um, Val Kilmer had a particular walk playing Doc Holliday in Tombstone. And it's usually associated with male characters in Westerns in particular because they have this kind of gunslinger, devil-may-care, you know, bring-it-on kind of attitude. And the way that Tumblr and Twitter just exploded after this trailer with just just gifts of her walking right. uh, makes me think that they, they, they've, just, they've misprinted the name thus far and her name is actually Gif or so. <laughs> Very good. Um, one of the things I'm impressed with as well is how well they've managed to replicate the feel of what the Rebel War Rooms were like in the original trilogy. Like, I haven't done a side-by-side comparison, and I'm sure that Mm -hmm. they're actually probably quite modern in comparison. But they feel like, to my sort of nostalgic memories, and they're not that nostalgic, you know, I do re-watch the original trilogy fairly often. um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, they feel like the War Rooms of the original trilogy. Like, they've got that absolutely right. And I I believe... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe we saw in the trailer that – in the teaser that at least some of this happens on Yavin or at least yes. it looks like Yavin 4. <laughs> it looks, it looks exactly, like the old yeah. temple. So there is a there is so much attention to detail here in recapturing the 70s with, uh, mod, with, with modern technology that is just adorable. Oh, are those yeah, I, cigarettes I am, on Yavin? Is that what it ah. – Okay. Yes, yep. and I am absolutely certain that because I spent the thing that I spent most time looking at in the trailer is the shots that are almost certainly on Yavin Four because in <clears throat> the Old Republic you can buy player housing on Yavin Four. <laughs> so I wanted to get my temple to look on the inside as much like the Imperial base as I could with the decorations available. Yes, so, we're thinking uh, about yeah, a second I'm home a- on Yavin Four, <laughs> but the pro- market prices these days all just keeps going the up and up and very, up. The, it was shockingly expensive <laughs> in game money. <laughs> But it's so pretty. Oh dear. But but yeah yeah the what the the I I judged by the the brickwork and the vines that that are seen in the trailer that it's having for. <laughs> wow. All right. So uh, a major weapons test is imminent apparently, uh, and the rebellion needs to know how to destroy it, and that gives us this 
beautiful reveal of a Star Destroyer with um, a sort of stepped light reveal over the stages leading up to the bridge, which is really emphasises its size. And I think that looks wonderful. My only niggle about this shot is that the Star Destroyer itself looks incredibly bright and clean. Like, it looks like a model. It doesn't look... It looks like a 1970s model, and that's where yeah. that's, that's where I think that they may have gone a little too far. Yeah. <laughs> I look at the... I look at the... I, I look at the uh, windows, the windows on the Star Destroyer, and, and they are just points of light, as if, you know, you have the light bulb on the inside. Right. Uh, kind of thing going on. Uh, it, it, is, it is true to what a Star Destroyer is supposed to look like, but it threw me a little bit. Yeah, it's well, and the bridge as well, the bridge area, you know, that big sort of trapezoid shape where the bridge is, is just, the whole thing is just, every surface is white. It looks like an Airfix model that hasn't been painted yet. And only, I think only British people will get that reference. But you know, like a model, you know, plane kit or something that just hasn't been, yeah, I don't know, it's... There, there could very well be a weathering pass between uh, the, before right. before December. Look, they have they have a lot of budget shortfalls. They're building a space station. It's <laughs> overrunning costs. <laughs> I'm just saying. They didn't bother to pay. And, and then we get and, and then we get uh, and then we get the the dish going in, just yes. like we saw in the teaser. And oh my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I love you know, that. I love the scale of it all. And there's, I mean, yeah. it's so ridiculously just unrealistic it's such a fantasy you know there's there's no way to reconcile the sheer size and engineering effort of the death star uh with the amount of enormous vast amount of resources you'd need for something like it but it doesn't matter (laughs) yeah it's it's so ridiculous and opulent and i just had a thought about the the white star destroyer maybe maybe i don't know this is probably just mindless speculation that uh, immediately gets dashed away but seeing ben mendelson in that all white caped uh, imperial officer uniform makes me think well maybe this is a vanity thing maybe that's ben mendelson's uh star destroyer and he said i want it in white ah <laughs> they wouldn't give me yeah. a super star destroyer but damn it i've got the cleanest one yes <laughs> mine is going to be beautiful they should have made them all white <laughs> you could be onto something there you could <laughs> I, I i would I, I love the notion of of a, of a star wars villain that is that vain because they all are so vain and so um so so self-concerned that 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 would be that would be a touch that i would absolutely love uh that of course people will say oh well they just had to come up with a reason for it because it made people mad right uh you I, know but i yeah I, I would love it to be a character note but i i, I you know maybe my my hopes are too high i do love the dish seeing the death star with a hole in it like we've seen an incomplete death star but it had a dish and seeing the dish going into the hole is it's like just another example of how they seem to delight in this movie especially from what we're seeing in the trailers of taking iconic vehicles people characters places and showing them in a new light and putting them into different situations like of course that you know the dish has got to go in somehow but you just you you never thought about it before and here it's oh wow okay yeah it's a huge piece of machinery that needs to be slotted in um the the thing that brought to mind was in in the expanding notion of of star wars and everything you know we're seeing a movie that's literally about the team that stole the death star plans is uh, people have made jokes 
jokes. They've made references in movies of their own, in sketch comedy and web videos and that kind of thing to uh, the, the contractors who built the Death Star. And that, right, that is yeah. the expanded universe movie that, that I now, you know, seeing a shot like that makes me kind of wish is is we, we get to see the, the poor the poor jerks that are building this Death Star and that die on board, uh, you know, trying to feed their family by by effectively, you know, being a builder. You know, all right, Jack. What are you doing? I don't know. I'm going to go back to Tatooine. I don't know. You're you know? only one step away from, like, you know, trade disputes there. Uh, I'm just thinking. <laughs> we know how no, that we're goes. Talking, we're talking about the salt of the earth. We're talking about the working class, Anthony. The working class. I'm just thinking about the poor company that put in the um, their contract in order to, to get the the right to build the Death Star, being like, yeah, we've made it. It's awesome. Look at this. We're rich. We're all rich. And then a couple of weeks later, it's like, oh, bollocks. That'd be a fantastic cameo That's all right. They Nigel got it contracted again. <laughs> if this movie doesn't... <laughs> Nigel, <laughs> Nigel, Farage, Nigel Farage is the guy who, who put the deals together, and then he's blown up. <laughs> if this movie doesn't have some nameless bureaucrat going with the lowest bidder on that thermal exhaust port, I'm just oh, saying. Well, that's Boris. That's oh, Boris Johnson. Yeah. That's, that's Boris Johnson. That's totally what happened, Ooh, isn't yes. it? Well, let's, uh, let's, let's go with the lowest bidder. Why not? Uh, Boom! And, 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 and away goes Boris. I, I'm oh. in two minds about whether whether it would be good or bad to have some throwaway scene with somebody <laughs> pointing out, like, you know, something about the exhaust ports. I don't know. On the one hand, it would be funny, but on the other, it's kind of, it's such, it would be such fan service that I just... And so kind of, I don't know, kitschy that I, I'm not sure. Andrew, I'm just saying, maybe someone shoot a proton torpedo in here, and then I don't know. I'm just saying it's yeah, possible. It, it, I mean, could, okay. it could be kind of farcical, and I'm just not sure whether it might be better to stay away from that completely. But the only people who would notice that are people who've watched Star Wars too often. You know, mostly <laughs> the average there person. There are a few of us. <laughs> There's Simon Pegg's cameo. There is Simon Pegg's cameo. Right. Oh. Uh, okay, so uh, so after that lovely shot of Zesto, we see Jin and oh. Captain Cassian in the Rebel hangar, and he says, if you're really doing this, I want to help. Um, and yes, now I know, because I wonder, like, what's with the ziggurats? Of course, it's Yavin 4. Okay. Um, and we see this ship taken off that I don't think we've seen this. I mean, there's an X-Wing in the background, but I don't think we've seen this ship type before. Um, it's got sort of X-wing style engines, but no wings or nose, and some weird protuberances yeah, from the front. So, got, is, is this the, a U-wing? It's got the fr- this is a U-wing, and it's got the front of a sort of prequel era fighter. You know, after right, uh, right after Hayden Christensen uh, became Anakin Skywalker, and they left the little boy uh, gone, and they they went to those fighters that had the little uh, force headband thingy. Uh, attached to them it's it's almost like the the front end of one of those uh shaved down a little bit and then the back end of an x-wing shoved into it and so i guess i guess that is what and the midsection looks like a snow speeder yeah a little bit uh, or kind of midway between a snow speeder and an a-wing right right yeah and this is apparently this is a troop transport of some kind because we see it again later with people streaming out of the belly so i assume that this is what they leave in. It looks a bit like a pelican. The troops just uh, they stay in the beak. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Should have called it a peewing. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, they take off and then we see them in the cockpit of this, well, presumably of this ship. But I don't know. See, I think this is spliced together 
to make us think that, you know, it's sort of con- continuous. But I don't think it is. I think this is from a different part of the movie. Um, and they've got spaceship-like controls, but they could be on the ground. It's really hard to tell from, you know, what's sort of outside the window, from the scenery outside the window. So I was wondering, maybe this is what SUV dashboards look like in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, the, the the beauty of it is there seems to be so much information that we're getting and then so much of it that could be from wildly disparate parts of the movie or right. bits, shots that aren't even in the final movie as they continue to uh, hone it and, and get it into shape. Yeah. You know, something that, that has uh, doesn't spoil things and, and also uh, I think doesn't, doesn't denigrate the director, contrary to what some people would say, is that they've uh, brought in Tony Gilroy, the famed screenwriter and editor, uh, to help continue shape. Uh, shaping the movie as they get it toward release and um i think there's a certain when, amount of misinformation going yeah. on deliberate misinformation well, they, they mis- misdirection bring, i think would sorry would be a better way of putting it well i, I think they bring in people like tony gilroy on any movie of this scale and scope it's just you don't always get their name you don't always hear about how they're working oh, of on course something yeah you, yeah don't hear from somebody who doesn't really know what they're talking about that this or that is in trouble. I, you know, I think Gareth Edwards is a phenomenally talented director. Uh, he has a great mind. And being the first person to take on one of these films that takes place outside of the saga universe, that is a unique and incredible It's a hell of a responsibility, isn't it? amount of responsibility, yeah. 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 So, I, you know, if, if I were him, uh, as, as he seems to have, uh, you know, reported by better sources, he's been very welcoming of this, of, yes, please, help. Yeah. Uh, no, I, you know, I, he, I'm not concerned about the reshoots yeah. and stuff at all. I just think this trailer, and maybe even the first teaser as well, I think there is a certain amount of misdirection going on because there are clearly lots of... Yeah spliced shots taken from different parts of the movie some that may not even make it to the final cut as you say with dialogue overlaid there's lots of lots of very clever bits where somebody opens their mouth and then when you actually hear them speak the screen's already gone black so the line could be from somewhere completely different in the movie um yeah which happens with all trailers you. you know and, and, and the thing about Gareth is his big breakout success that got him on the map to do Godzilla was a movie called Monsters that was all about misdirection, all about – I mean you barely see uh, much, if any, of the, the real money shots of the movie in the trailers and he was very, very hands-on with that. He was very hands-on with Godzilla even uh, to the extent that you can be a movie that sprawling and huge. Say what you will about the movie itself um, – he he is very, very, very much involved on the marketing side of things, and that's why studios want him, is that he's thinking about what's being revealed when, how much information is getting parceled out, and I can see his hand in this just as I could in the Godzilla marketing, as I could in the marketing of Monsters, in its limited release and rollout when it came out, now, what, seven years ago? Jesus. Um I, I, I think that they, they definitely got the right person for this because I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled by what I can tell is either misdirection or intentionally just a, uh, a, a, a collage of imagery and sound that is meant to give me the feel, give me a, a taste of it, but not just throw the whole meal in front of me all at once like so many movies market themselves these days. My hope is that what they're, what they're doing is selling it as if it's a straightforward, you know, Get recruited, go somewhere, steal the plans, escape in a TIE fighter. You know, that's pretty much the the movie they're presenting in this trailer. And I'm hoping that that's actually not the plot of the movie at all, that it's much more complex than that. But they obviously know that they need to, they can't sell a complex plot because it would take too long to explain. So instead they're hitting those beats and just sort of putting together a trailer that will convince people of the kind of movie it is without necessarily being 
too precise about the plot. Yeah, we're jumping mm. ahead, but I, I would even argue with you about your, your TIE fighter assertion. I don't even know if I saw that necessarily, but we'll get to that at the very end. Right. <laughs> okay. um, uh, so back to Jin, and now we see her in the market, presumably of that city on the desert planet. Uh, I think that's a fairly safe assumption. And this, again, is part of this is a clip that we saw in the teaser with the rebel X-Wing pilots, uh, prisoners being sort of walked through the market in high-tech handcuffs um but we get a bit extra which is confirmation that she is there as well uh, incognito and once again uh, without makeup or you know not looking very glamorous <laughs> yeah it's you know it's it's a, a bizarre in tehran but with star wars splattered all over it i i, I think I, no i was just thinking about what what you're saying about the uh how little it's revealing of the plot here and really the entire trailer is is more interested in building tone and atmosphere than actually saying anything at all regarding the plot and th this is another shot that just reinforces that with our and a really lovely one as well, I thought, with the, the bright orange suits amidst the darkness and shadows and grime of everything else around it. And it's it's nice and it's it's enticing. And uh, and I'm just trying to figure out you know, where you're there for, if, if, where I think it fits in the movie, because she's there, she's skulking around. Is, has she been recruited by that point? Or is this part of the thing that gets her into trouble in the first place because she's hiding? Right, right. Yeah. But we've, and we've, we've heard about the Empire taking people prisoner and all that other stuff, but I don't know if in the saga films proper we've actually seen rebel pilots in shackles. I don't know that mm. we've we've seen some of this stuff. We've heard about they were, it. They we, were being we marched know off of the right. uh, blockade runner at the beginning of a new hope. Well, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but we we haven't we haven't seen the empire in the process of occupying uh, a, a a place. You know, it's it's not it's not like we've seen the Star Wars equivalent of the Nazis um, uh, occupying France, for example. Um, it, that, you know, that, that the actual act of it is something that we, we know in our emotional history of the saga, but we, we haven't seen, we haven't, this is not the same stuff that we've seen a million times before. I mean, really, it's quite reassuring because they're there, they're alive and, and they're in handcuffs, which presumably means they're going to be handed off to, in, in some form of law and order procedure that will happen to them rather than just picking a planet and blowing the whole thing up so they're interrogated probably... and killed who knows <laughs> but they'd have to you know that's at least going through a, a, a process that someone has decided upon rather than just just shooting your planet really it's it's a it's a nice high point for the empire possibly here <laughs> yeah. with, uh... a kinder gentler empire okay <laughs> I find your faith disturbing. <laughs> That's the sort of thing that I, that I find interesting, even this sort of movie, is you have the big massive empire there. In order to run it, you're going to need a huge massive bureaucracy. They seem to use a military bureaucracy. And so a shot like that indicating you will, they do take prisoners, you know, what happens to the prisoners, what happens to dealing with them? I mean, the Death Star has prison cells on it. So I... I if they were doing an anthology film in the Star Wars universe that was perfectly catered to me, it would be about the law and order that affected the, logistics. the people who got arrested <laughs> by the Empire. God, that's terrible. And yet true. So. Uh, this market, by the way, is the same, uh, judging by the lighting and, what, and the backgrounds, is the same kind of environment where we had um, Jin fighting the stormtroopers and the big explosion in the teaser. It's all lit in, I did compare them, and it's all lit in exactly the same way. So I'm guessing that that all takes place 
you know, in this same place, not necessarily at the same time. Hmm. But it's a theory. Um, uh, and then we get to one of my favourite... Well, actually, the my the favourite shot bit is a sort of callback to this that comes later. But a really unusual shot, um, which is uh, an X-Wing flying through a storm, through a rainstorm, uh, between these really big upright stone columns, really unusual landscape. Um, well, this is something that... that- a few shots later, I think we get. I think we get enough information. Right, to that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the, it's the same planet, different area, different lighting, different setting, uh, and it's it's where we get introduced to the the two Chinese cinema megastars that um, I, I again envy people that are discovering Jiang Wen and Donnie Yen by way of a Star Wars movie because oh my god, do they have kung fu movies to watch? I'm not sure uh, if it is uh, the same atmosphere though it cuts immediately to yeah Bayes malbus um but i don't know whether it's necessarily the same place i mean it could be it's raining but you know it rains on more than one planet presumably <laughs> in the galaxy the lighting color is similar too it is that's true that's true but yeah i love again it's sort of taking familiar things and putting them in unfamiliar situations i love this uh you know x-wings flying at night we haven't really seen much of that, you know, with spotlights and stuff on them. We haven't really seen that in other movies. I think the closest we well, got and, was probably at the start of The Force Awakens. It's still obscured enough to the point that, I, you know, I, I may have not watched a, a high enough resolution version of the trailer, but I couldn't even necessarily tell that it was definitely an X-Wing. Oh, no, no, I'm just, U-wing. it could, could be actually, yes, what. yes, it could yeah. be, that's true, yeah. Um, but I, I, I like that I like that we're not being shown everything in the clear light of day just to see every single angle of, of what ILM has uh, has pasted oh God, together. Yeah, They're yeah. perfectly fine obscuring things and dirtying them up and and not just selling the toy through a hero shot. Yeah, and and this is, as you said, this is the uh, you destroyed our home bit with uh, with Baze Malbus, the character played by Jiang Wen. Jiang Wen. Uh, Jiang Wen. Jiang Wen is not only a uh, a, a major actor in uh, in mainland China, uh, but he's also a, a highly touted director. He's uh, he has crossed the government more than once uh, and uh, and gotten reprimanded and rebuked and had his career curtailed. Uh, but you know, keeps keeps coming back. Um, but in particular, he he uh, recently directed a movie called Let the Bullets Fly uh, that co-stars himself, Chow Yun-Fat, uh, various other people that is is uh, is like a Chinese kung fu live action Looney Tunes movie. Uh, it's ridiculous, slapsticky and uh, and full of, of energy and fun. And uh, yeah, he's he is one of the most highly regarded directors uh, in China, as well as, uh, you know, classically trained actors. Uh, and uh, and I, I I am thrilled that this uh, movie is going to radically raise his profile in the West. He looks pretty badass, it must be said. Yeah, he's the guy is a beast uh, in front of and behind the camera. Uh, he he is he's kind of the you know grizzled guy in power armor with a big rifle. Um, but I I really I can't wait. I I I really really want to see him doing some hand to hand stuff because I know that he is uh, he is. Okay, he's not Donnie Yen, he's not Jet Li, uh, but he is he is one of the best on-screen live-action martial artists uh, I've I've ever seen. Uh, balancing that with you know the acting and choreography of everything, and we do see Donnie Yen's character beside him uh, briefly, very very briefly in this scene before we see uh, stormtroopers getting fired upon, which I assume I think we're meant to assume is part of the same scene, but once again it could actually be from somewhere completely different in the movie. It's really hard to tell. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the lighting match is is good for the close-up shot on him. But again, we don't know exactly where it's happening, exactly when it's happening, whether this is our introduction to the characters and they join up right, with the squad, right. or if it's during whatever the heist proper ends up actually being. Um, and there is, uh, and you only see this for a few frames, but there is also somebody in silhouette in the foreground of that scene where the stormtroopers are being shot. Um, so I do... Uh, there are two people, actually, uh, possibly three. I'm looking at it right now. This is a frame by frame. Um, so I'm wondering if that could be, you know, Jin and the Rebels sneaking in while the Stormtroopers yeah. are distracted or something, maybe. Um, but that's... And, and these two these two join the team and Medias Res. I'm, I'm looking at IO9's uh, GIF-filled post. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at every single moment of the trailer in GIF form in sequential order. And, and as I'm watching it, repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I think I see a second form. I distinctly see one, but I, I might see two. Right, um, and uh, and then that moves on to uh, once an X-wing flying over another desert, <laughs> uh, because you know, like I say, desert planets, Star Wars. Um, but again, with lights, I say X-wing once again. It could actually be the U, the U-wing, couldn't it? It's really hard to tell uh, because it's so sort of. You know, such a distant shot, but that I think goes... because the I think the engines are too far ab- uh, apart on both of those shots to be an X-wing. I think it's probably the U-wing. Oh, that's a good point, of course, because the X-wing engines are actually really close to the body, aren't they? So yes, yeah. yeah. <gasps> and this well... is the in-depth. This is the in-depth analysis that incomparable listeners come for. <laughs> it's I'm what... just judging that they're having a U-wing. What's a U-wing? There's no such <laughs> thing. Well, yeah, it's not even a wing, it's the nose. <laughs> Come on. A you nose. Um but then the that cuts to the bit that everybody's been talking about in this trailer. Uh first we get the stormtrooper tank rolling through the desert city, which again we saw this in a slightly super, different form in the teaser. Super creepy blitzkrieg Nazi occupation right. of Europe. And, there. and a new kind of stormtrooper armor and helmet, uh, presumably for armored cavalry troops or something. Um, the, the people driving the tank are wearing, yeah, different armor. But that's only on screen for a, half a second. And then we get Donnie Yen's character, a blind Jedi knight by the looks of him, uh, with that lovely line, I fear nothing, all is as the Force wills it. Which is actually... That's a bit He's of a, so dead. Well, but that's He's a, not going to... That's sorry. a bit of an upgrade, isn't it? From, like, the Force flows through us and binds us and lives in everything. It's like, hang on a second. Now we're saying that the Force is fate and destiny? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's almost like he's a, he's a Force believer, not a Force-sensitive person. Someone who believes right. in the power of the Force, but isn't governed... Uh, well, he doesn't govern it himself. He doesn't have the Force sensitivity that others do, but he believes in it. Um, you know, very much the, uh, the, you know, the legends, the stories, that kind of thing. We're actually getting the, you know, believer in an ancient religion type of right. person. Um, I did you know, wonder lends- if he's going to turn out to be some kind of fanatic or something. I, hey, you know what? Uh, fanatical, uh, force, uh, you know, combat is, uh, is something that, uh, I, I think we should keep an eye on. I, you know, many people are telling me that it's, it's the next great danger facing us. Mm. <laughs> Well, midi-chlorians or no, he certainly uh-huh. is a badass. He, he is. He, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't know that word. Too many syllables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does his uh, best Zatoichi impression, um, taking on the stormtroopers. Clearly, just sort of, even when they're all lying on the ground, he's still obviously sightless. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
whacking them all. But he talks too much about the Force. Anyone who lectures about the Force like that, especially in the middle of a fight, is one, doomed, and two, deserves to be doomed. (laughs) I don't think he's doing it in the middle of the fight, to be fair, but he does it sort of as he goes in ready to fight. Close enough. Close (laughs) enough. Um, I, I do like the idea of a blind Jedi, though. I mean, if he is a Jedi, yes, we don't know. That but... is actually there's a there's a species um, who are oh, I've well forgotten the name of the species. That's terrible, How embarrassing. But there's uh, there who are blind who can only see things through the Force. So it's very much established in expanded ah, universe. I was just um, thinking it's a nice callback to the uh, the training helmet on the Falcon in Episode yeah. Four. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I like, I like that, that, uh, that again, uh, you know, uh, beating the diversity drum that, that we're seeing, you know, non-white people in the Star Wars universe. And I'm sure that there will be people who say, oh, well, they're just pandering. They just want to do well in China. They'll do well in China just by being anyway, Star Wars. Yeah. yeah, regardless. I, I love that they are, they are reaching out to uh, some of the, some of the best cinema artists in action cinema across the globe, you know, in, in episode seven, we had some of the guys from the raid. Uh, unfortunately they were in head to toe, uh, body suits and you had no idea what they looked like. Uh, yeah. and they were called kanji club for some bizarre reason. Uh, but I, you know, I, I love that. I love that we're actually taking advantage of the fact that this is the biggest franchise on the planet. And why don't we actually involve the rest of humanity in it? Yeah, I should also say that when a film is almost all white people in it, then who are you pandering to except to white people? And frankly, everyone else deserves their share of the pandering anyway. Yeah, it's about so. time. Yeah. I, I just hope I mean, that... You'll, you'll know that they're pandering if Donnie Yen takes his shirt off. <laughs> well, the one thing <laughs> I hope is that they don't get too stereotypical. Like, you know, yes, it's great having yeah. these Asian actors in it. Um, but, you know, and yes, of course, Donnie, when he, Donnie Yen is known as a martial arts actor. Nevertheless, I really hope that he's not too much of a stereotypical, you know, yeah. wise Asian-looking philosophical martial arts Zen dude. I, I, I like that, that he kind sorry. of comes off as a weirdo more than more than <laughs> I, the wise uh, right, the I wise so. Asian yeah. wizard with a staff. And I, I like that Jiang Wen is there as kind of a counterbalance where he is he is you know a grizzled dude with dreadlocks and a gun. Uh, who you wouldn't stereotypically cast an Asian actor in that role. Yes. You know, I, I feel, I feel like, I feel like that, that's what, when I heard they were putting Donnie Yen in it, I was like, okay, well, I hope Asian actors are not just karate men in this thing. Um, that, that, uh, you know, that we get, we get more representation than that. And then when I, when they actually revealed what Zhang Wen looks like, I, I was like, oh, okay, this, this is, um, this is different. And uh, I'm beyond comfortable with this. Fantastic. Run, run wild. I, I was actually given some pause in episode seven where the guys from the raid, these massively talented Indonesian uh, martial artists were, um, were, giving, were given, were given a, well, they were, they were cannon fodder and they were given a, a weird George Lucasy type of name that was incorporating Asian words and Englishizing them in, in a way that, that felt way too much like Newt Gunray in episode one. Right. Um, that had me worried, but but I've had all of those concerns uh, put to rest with with just what we've seen so far, um, and I you know I, we, we've barely seen any of Riz Ahmed uh, thus far, but I'm I'm hoping that that he has something to do more than I get you know connect phone calls or something, um, <laughs> whatever it is that he's doing. If he's a communications officer, if he's a pilot, hey, I, you know, I there's nothing wrong is. with connecting phone calls. Ahura connected phone calls, and she's the best one. Well, I'm just saying she's got <laughs> it covered, true. so why do we need anyone else? 
All right. Uh, <laughs> next scene is another one that has had people in conniptions uh, from this trailer, and that is Jin meets K2SO, or is it K2SO? I'm not sure how people are saying it. Uh, the droid, the rather tall droid, who says, the captain says you are a friend. I will not kill you. Uh, voice, oh! Voiced by Alan Tudyk, I think. Alan Tudyk, indeed. And I, I, I'm, I'm affectionately referring to him as K2. Right. Uh, because I I assume that's what they're what they're going for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in in the droid parlance, it's kind um, of IG eighty eight looking as well. Yeah, I, I I love Alan Tudyk as much as the next guy, but it, I I would have been perfectly fine if the murder droid had been voiced by a woman. But that's just me. All right, now Liz, I, I tell us who this droid is reminds you of. HK forty seven, who is the greatest Star Wars droid that there has ever been, um, who is very sarky and doesn't like people and just wants to kill everyone. And so this dude here is like, Oh my god, you're like HK forty okay, you look completely different and you have the wrong voice. And if you were HK forty seven, he'd be saying that sarkily and with a great deal of regret that he wasn't about to get to commit murder. But there was a definite vibe here of what hit what is everyone's, goddammit, everyone's favourite Star Wars droid if they've actually met him and interacted with him. Probably there are some people who've done that and it's not their favourite droid, but those people are wrong. <laughs> I'd never even heard of him because I haven't played Knights of the Old Republic, but uh, yes, uh, you, you, but you are not the only person to have he, immediately <laughs> gone, he's HK-47! <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, it is worth just even looking at the clips on YouTube of interactions with him for the lols or, if you're like me, for all the stuff you missed because you wanted to see all of his lines. <laughs> Um, and he is an Imperial droid, by the looks of it. He's got the Imperial Star Emblem on his shoulder. I mean, presumably reprogrammed, but... Yes, that's what yeah. it looks like. On the, the captain that he refers to, one would presume, if he's working for Jin's team, uh, he's he's working for the actual rebel officer among them, who I assume is Diego Luna. It is. His name's Captain Cassian, yeah. Oh, Captain Cassian. Captain Cassian Andor. That's, a, it's a, that's almost a... A weird C.S. Lewisy kind of a thing. <laughs> I want to call him Caspian. But yes, I assume that he mm. is the captain, given that he's in the background of this scene between K2SO and Jin. So yes, I think it's interesting that they didn't bother painting over the imperial symbols on his shoulders. Uh, I guess. Well, I mean, he. It's on that's, the that's that him working incognito. Yeah. Right. That they're going to use him for an undercover uh, mission or something, maybe. Yeah. So if you daub like the rebel symbol and paint over it, that might give him away a bit. Maybe. <laughs> you think <laughs> um but yeah i mean that's a really good line and everybody you know big laugh everybody laughs at that in the trailer but then upside down death star Ta-da! Yeah, oh, okay i'm looking at it now and i have to say i i'm a little bit judgy at anyone who's complaining about that, <laughs> that one that looks great and two it's not really upside down it's just space you people yeah, it- Everyone's maybe upside down the, in space. Maybe it's the secret. Maybe it's the dish at the lower half of the Death Star that we never saw because we were always looking at the front. The dark side of the Death Star. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or maybe it's us who are upside down, Ooh. not the Death Star. How very philosophical. Very zen. You should go and hang out with that blind Jedi. The camera position will is in space, and in space there is no up, there is no down. Down is where your feet Either are. Either way. Yeah. Uh, and it's hovering over a desert planet. 
uh, we assume the same desert planet, and we immediately then see an eclipse over the desert planet. Uh, and I didn't actually mm-hmm. realise at first until I watched the trailer again a couple of times that we're looking at an eclipse over that walled city in the distance. <laughs> yeah, with that... <laughs> With, with a huge tower. tower. Yeah, yeah. Chip, did, did you think the same thing I did when you saw that? Which is what? Uh, tell me what, tell me what, what you thought, and then I'll tell you if, I'm, if you're right. Did, did you think Once they upon nicked a that time from I Babylon 5? <laughs> <laughs> I thought they nicked that from Babylon 5. No, I'm not. No, I, di- I, didn't, actually, I didn't actually go there. Um, oh, what they clearly let's nicked be honest. Was everything, everything is ripping off Babylon Five at this point. No, no, no. They clearly nicked heroes. Tim Crean got a be getting royalties <laughs> for this. Um, I don't. Yeah, but what's Babylon Five? The first sci-fi thingamabob where you saw like super scary ship crossing across in front of the sun from the planet because it was you know that was that was a damn creepy. And at the time, I, I don't remember, I don't think can't think of anything prior to that. I could be wrong. I don't know everything. I don't think it was in anything in British sci-fi anyway. Certainly hasn't done it. But um, it's it's such a, a brilliant image that I do assume they nicked it. It is. It um, is. Although you have to wonder, like the calculations that go into you know some poor navigator has got to go. Okay, so you want me to put us <laughs> at exactly the right distance from that planet so that when we cross in front of the sun, it will cause an eclipse. Fine. There's okay. a special class right. in the Imperial Academy. Right here. Take us right there. <laughs> There's a special I'll class push in the Imperial Push this, and we're there. No problem. I will also accept the movie where we get to follow around the mathematician who has to make all the complicated ca- calculations so they can make the really cool, scary... Eclipse. ...oppressive moves. <laughs> there is a special class at the Imperial Academy on intimidating through navigation. Uh, yes. <laughs> I've got to be honest, Grandma for Johnston, I could do it, but I'm not going to be happy about it if I don't get me raise. What Sorry. accent is that supposed to be? <laughs> Yorkshire. <laughs> Good God, That's what man. I thought it was. Good That's God. exactly how people in Yorkshire sound to me. Right. Oh, luxury. You t- you hear people in Yorkshire talk about things. Must be nice. Watch it, Miles, or I'll start doing my Billy Connolly impersonation. <laughs> um, that's fine. That's that's Glaswegian. You can make fun of them all you like. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're in Edinburgh, aren't you? Um one of the things that I do notice in this clip, however, is that the walled city is the only piece of civilization that you can see on the planet. Uh, because you know, when the eclipse starts, obviously it's still fairly light, and you can see that there is it is the only area of you know man-made built-up civilization uh, visible in the entire frame, and this is a really wide shot, so that's quite unusual. Well, I, I think that's perfectly normal sci-fi thing when we go out into the stars we're not going to cover a whole bloody planet it'll take ages we just excited <laughs> for one little bit yeah. dump some cool stuff there and then on to the next whatever happened to indigenous people resources are whatever happened to indigenous people i don't know anyway uh imperial dude and the siren sounds uh, as Jin says every day scary, they grow scary scary ben mendelson yeah uh, does anybody know the name of his character because i haven't actually seen director krinnick Director Orson Krennic. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I find myself quite torn in it because, on the one hand, he looks pretty cool and evil, and he has a swirly cloak, he's which a is fancy, awesome. Fancy, fancy. <laughs> yes, but on the other hand, he's basically playing Peter Cushing, Grand Moff Tarkin, and that makes me think. Dressed like Grand Admiral Thrawn. I am. I going to get a Grand Moff Tarkin 
reference in this movie or a lovely picture of Peter Cushing maybe sitting on someone's desk because that'd be nice <laughs> that's all that I, I need I, for I love, the, like I, love movie. The, I love the idea of this guy being resentful in the shadow of Tarkin of being you know <laughs> the guy who got second at the academy next to next to Tarkin and is working under the boot heel of a guy he despises I like that that's that's as it should be his uh going sort of deep down the wormhole of you know star wars criminology here uh as he enters two tie pilots peel off to either side so i'm wondering if that's either our heroes in disguise uh or maybe they're just setting up the idea that lots of people are wandering around the death star in tie pilot armor because so that it blends in because we didn't actually see that a lot in the original trilogy there wasn't there weren't a lot of people in tie armor on the death star um but maybe they're trying to get the idea over here that actually yes they're all over the place and so you know you can blend in by wearing that lovely black tie fighter armor it's a theory again <laughs> i want to know what all the little buttons on that blue and red thing on his cloak mean Oh, like, they're um, they're insignia and sort of you know they're the they, star wars equivalent mean- of medals they mean not as good as Tarkin, is what they mean. <laughs> That's what I read when I saw it, but, you know, I wouldn't want to, because Tarkin didn't show off like that. He didn't have a big giant insignia, or if he did, his insignia wasn't that big. Yeah, Peter Cushing didn't even wear shoes while shooting his scene. He really? wore slippers. Uh, yeah, he, he wore slippers. He, yeah, he wore slippers, uh, and he, he refused. He said, you're going to shoot me full body? No. I'm not going to wear shoes. Then I'll wear comfortable. They were too small for him, and it made him sad. And you don't want to make Peter Cushing sad because he's the biggest, most famous person in your movie. Because he'll blow up the planet. And I include Alec Guinness in that. Not Uh, Peter Cushing. This December, as if we didn't know. Um, And this is where we get the very nice reworking of the Imperial March again, Uh, this time with a full orchestra. Um, uh, This December, we go to the beach. Right, right. Uh, well, just thinking about the music as well, uh, if you listen again, you'll notice that the as they play through the clips here, the later bars of this reworked Imperial March, they work in some parts of the main Star Wars theme as well, which is really, from a musical point of view, I think it's really interesting. I'm really looking forward to the original soundtrack of this movie. Yeah, this, this almost sounds ruined. like it's in a, this almost sounds like it's in a major key. It is. You're right. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's in a different. Well, it's a different key for a start, but it is also yeah. It's a major progression. It's a really, it's, you know, sort of strange, unusual treatment for the Imperial March. But it sounds great. It's it's a new, bolder, happier empire for a new age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is right. We get lots of clips here. So we have the small rebel ship with people leaping out of the belly. Um, so you know, maybe it's not that small after all, and them running costumes sort of resembling the indoor uniforms, but yes. not completely. Right, right, and then they run along the beach, and we get oh, palm trees. Uh, uh, other, yeah. in- another incomparable this is a regular David Law, who couldn't be of here today, uh, says he now wants to see a Star Wars holiday special goes Hawaiian. <laughs> <laughs> Hula Solo. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. Uh, and there are bodies of stormtroopers in the water as well. So this is clearly the scene of, you know, a proper battle. Uh, yeah, ex- and it looks so cool with the X-Wings flying overhead as they're running as well. Yep. Yeah, this, that's, 
the teaser poster that's in cinemas all over the U.S. Uh, depicts this this beach setting, and they, I, I'm I'm not a fan of the graphic design of them. I feel like they could show off that setting in a more interesting way. But it, I mean, it really it looks pasted together in Photoshop uh, in ways that don't sell how well it this this particular sequence came off to me in the trailer. Was this the one that this is the same setting that in the teaser trailer had the Atat tanks in it? Is yes, right? and, it, and yes. it does again. Uh, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I'm back. I've only watched it a few times. All right. And the Death <laughs> Troopers in all black. Yes. Oh, it's so cool, though. Yep. Oh, and we see a rebel ship uh, on fire. I think it's the U-wing. Actually, talking about now Good. that we, now that we can identify it by the distance from the body to the engines. I think it is. That's the U-wing. what it deserves for um, its silly name. Yeah, and it's like blowing up on the beach. Uh, and then we get the blind guy again. Uh, the Imperial. T- oh, right. And then we cut back to the. Uh, the desert city and the the imperial tank shooting at a building. Uh, And I'm guessing that this is the explosion uh, that we saw in the teaser with um, Jin, like, you know, crouching away for a while something blows up in the desert. With some amazing stunt slash CGI work for those poor stormtroopers. They really do get flung about like rag dolls, don't they? (laughs) Um, but at the same time, you know, we we get a continuation of what we saw in episode seven with stormtroopers that are actually a lethal threat that don't seem right. to fire guns that only hit nothing. Right. Yeah, yeah they're more than cannon fodder. Um, yeah, what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> you are a traditionalist, Liz. Are you saying they yes. should be cannon fodder? <laughs> damn, damn it, that's what they're there for. Cannon fodder and loot. There, one of my favorite guilty pleasure lines in a Star Wars comic book was uh, Luke Skywalker saying, boy, if they ever made smart stormtroopers, I'd be in real trouble. <laughs> <laughs> How very true. Uh, and then that cuts away to a scene inside um, a dark ship. Maybe it's that rebel transport. We don't know. Um, with K2SO telling them the odds, literally telling them the odds that there is a 97.6% chance of failure. HK47 does that as well sometimes. <laughs> Just saying. Although he usually wants to kill someone at the same time. I love how the the droid looks in that shot, though, because it's so chipped. And yeah. 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 Yeah, and I and I love uh you know, you have you have a limited range of responses when uh the droid tells you the odds. Um and ha- and Harrison Ford took the never tell me the odds line. Uh Captain Andor simply shrugs and says he means well and glances over to another poor rebel who apparently just didn't like hearing how bad the odds were. Right. If it is, I mean, this is, again, it could yeah, be a splice. Yeah. We're not sure if he's actually reacting to that line. But, yeah, I had the same thing. I was like, I really was expecting them to do a never tell me the odds callback. But, yeah, instead just saying, oh, he means well. Uh, that's That actually made me laugh. That was very funny, I thought. Uh, yeah, I am I am imagining some backstory for Han Solo here for the reason that he never wants to hear the odds because he had to go on some missions with this guy and he was like just by the end of it he was just so sick of it it was like never again it it made it it, it, this also made me think about that han solo solo movie uh that they have coming after episode eight where i i wonder how okay i'll be with them explaining so many signature lines of you know never tell me the odds uh right kessel run you know blah 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 be like gotham's villains uh, all over again Yes, exactly. Oh, uh, if, if and this, this is why if, they call me Penguin. <laughs> yeah, it could get quite I, tiresome, couldn't it? 
I currently have slightly more faith in them than that. They're not going to do that. They know better. I, They've made one good movie. They can never I'm mess worried. up again. They will so never worried. mess up again. No, we're owed three good movies. It's the fourth one that you have to worry about. That's the rules. Um, in between those two lines, though, however, we do get another few quick cuts of Bays and the Rebels running along the beach. Uh, well, and- we, we really prominently see Bays's uh, vacuum cleaner backpack. Thing, yes, <laughs> yes. Which I, I wonder if he's going to bust some ghosts or... Uh- <laughs> or just go and clean somebody's front room. Um, and we also see the uh, the black armoured stormtroopers that we again saw in the teaser, um, which made me think like black for a tropical environment really but you know um maybe they're all designed to put them in a really bad mood (laughs) and then we get (laughs) one of these big four-winged imperial shuttles blowing up uh in a very impressive explosion um lots of things flying around lots of cgi however and this is the advantage of modern technology if you look at the beginning of that shot frame by frame um i can only assume that there is still some post-production to do uh because if you freeze frame it the stormtroopers, there are three stormtroopers standing around the base of it. Um, and from the waist up, they look great. From the waist down, <laughs> uh, they appear to be wearing kilts, bare legs and sandals. Oh, are you destroying my suspension of disbelief? <laughs> so either they're stuntmen who haven't had their legs CG'd in yet, or they are CG models, which I think is more likely, that just weren't completed <laughs> by the time this shot they was are stormtroopers on holiday <laughs> they're tiny hula solo <laughs> i'm telling you man <laughs> yeah I, I i'm i'm very upset that you would you would denigrate the inclusion of scotsman in the stormtrooper corps. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> for just shame like, <laughs> they're imperial sandal troopers <laughs> <laughs> so um this uh asian guy or asian looking guy anyway with uh goggles and you know sort of um well and he's wearing an imperial patch on his shoulder uh which is one of the reasons why i wasn't sure if he was actually in the ship with cassian and the droid um did you say you i i have no idea who that is that that right there is the uk's own riz ahmed Ah, okay. The, uh, I don't know him. The, he uh, he was in uh, he's in a, a wonderful movie called Four Lions, uh, which uh, features oh. Benedict Cumberbatch in a very 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 tiny role. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's most of the reason that uh, non Chris Morris fans know that that Four Lions exists. I haven't seen um, Four Lions since it came out. I didn't recognize him. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's he's a fantastic actor. He's a, he's a great rapper. He's uh, he's he's a, a very talented fellow. Uh, and him him being barely in this says to me maybe we don't meet him but a ways into the movie maybe um you know they they're holding back even more with him than they are with others maybe he's maybe he's an imperial that gets recruited during the movie maybe he's wearing the imperial patch to go incognito could be a saboteur right yeah it could be a saboteur you know that there's there's a lot of mystery to him uh that is just left completely completely vague my money is on incognito because uh, we saw Jin in the teaser, not in this trailer, uh, wearing uh, Imperial uh, TIE pilot uniform and things like that. So That's true, I yes. That I really like the, the idea of there being more than one British person in a Star Wars movie who's not a villain. That's pretty <laughs> yeah. great. What a concept. Yeah, and, and, and I, you know, I, w- I wonder if Riz Ahmed is, is going to, you know, use his, his native English accent or... Uh, or if he's, or if he's going to, you know, affect a, a Pakistani uh, accent or something. Um, but one way or another, I, I love that there's a, there's a, a guy of, um, you know, Muslim ancestry who's in a Star Wars movie. 
Um, right, because, yet, yet another you know, non-white guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and there's there's it's, a shot later that I was going to call out as, yeah, for diversity. So, but uh, before then, we get more X-Wings on the storm, as it were. Uh, and these are definitely X-Wings. <laughs> um flying through the rain at night through these stone columns with again spotlights who knew x-wings had spotlights um and they come out of the columns guns blazing firing on another imperial shuttle lots of imperial shuttles going to blow up in this movie um and once again in this scene if you look there is a silhouette of a rebel wearing that very distinctive headgear uh in the foreground as the stormtroopers get blown up so once again makes me wonder if it's a sort of distracting maneuver or maybe a rescue. But I just love that shot of the X-Wings flying through through the rain at night between those columns. Just, again, something we've never seen in a Star Wars movie before, but for no yeah. reason. It looks amazing. When well, I was a child, I we, we dreamed cut- of piloting an X-Wing fighter. And bless The Force Awakens in this movie for just taking the, the, the coolness of the X-Wing fighter and just continually <laughs> ramping it up. Yeah, I think that in a video game, that would desperately annoy me if I was having fighting in a storm because your vision would be impaired in desperately irritating ways. But watching it on the big screen, on a movie, in a time when the special effects can handle it and it'll look super cool, it's, yeah, that's very nice. I like that a lot. More spaceship battles in the midst of big storms, please. <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to get quite a few in this movie, yeah. Um, well, and then in the next shot, we we cut to something else that we haven't seen, and that you know, oh, yeah, I, you, yeah. you wondered. Empire Strikes Back. Did they not have bazookas in a long time ago right. when they had their laser swords and their yeah. giant weapons of war? Yeah, it's Bay's firing the rocket launcher at the ATACT. Apparently, these are all-terrain armored cargo transports. I am reliably told by the internet, uh, and this is on the beach with the palm trees around. But yeah, it makes like. Why didn't you do that on Hoth? Did you not have missiles? Maybe they ran out. (laughs) Maybe the Empire needed all the missiles to make a big shooty death thing. They're out of season. They hadn't harvested them yet. Um, (laughs) They're they're expensive. They're a rebellion. They've got funding problems. The the, the missile transport got hijacked by the Empire. Yeah, smugglers aren't very trustworthy people. They probably took all their money and their bazookas. (laughs) Well, is this base Malbus's, you, you think that's a knife? This is a knife moment? It could be, is, yeah, yeah. Is, is that actually, yeah. uh, I'm just looking at it now. Oh, no, okay, no, that's separate to the vacuum cleaner on his back. I was just wondering. Yeah. <laughs> thought maybe they might be connected. Um, it is worth noting that, because some people have been calling this out, going like, oh, that's ridiculous. It makes a mockery of what happened on Hoth, especially given that these are supposed to be bigger <laughs> than the walkers. I'm sorry, we saw on I'm Hoth. sorry but pe- people speaking out, the memory of Hoth deserves I know, better. I know, I know. <laughs> but, but, it is Think worth. Think of all the people who died. <laughs> I mean, I've, I, of course, I realize I say that on a hundred minute podcast about a hundred seconds. Right, yeah, yeah. But, but still. But it is worth noting that this is, he makes a pretty direct hit here, and yet, it doesn't look at all as if the walk is in any danger of actually being taken out or being, you know, immobilized by it. So, you know, it's, yes, it's a bazooka, but it ain't gonna... It, they could have shields up by Hoth type anyway that would stop bazookas from working mm. that we just didn't see on screen. I can invent lots of reasons to make it all work <laughs> together. That's what everyone should do. Don't don't expect the people who make the films to do all the story work for you. Yeah, it was a surprise attack. Come on, shush. <laughs> yeah, yeah. build your own head cannon. 
yeah. charge up the bazookas. Build your own headcanon. Liz and I will torpedo it. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is kind of Baze Malbus's headcanon, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Build it and I'll shoot it. Um, uh, and then to Jin again, once again, with Forrest Whitaker's character, uh, with the this is our chance to make a real difference line, you know, very heroic. Um, it doesn't look like... Well, it does look like it's the same setting as the clip from the very start of the movie, but he looks slightly different again. So I don't know what's going on with these reshoots in the post-production. I'm not, really not sure. Um, but it immediately cuts to a fantastic, like, epic visual of the rebel ship flying through like a storm of falling stone as if there's been a huge eruption of rocks or something. I mean, is it maybe it's the yeah. city collapsing? I don't know. Whoever whoever they had at ILM, uh, you know, own this shot deserves a deserves a medal even more than Chewbacca, uh, because this looks outstanding. It really does, I, doesn't it? Wh- whatever kind of destruction this is, whether maybe the walled city is blown up, maybe the upside down Death Star uh, decided to uh, to fire off its cannons and do something to this planet. Um, though maybe not at full operational capacity, it didn't destroy the planet, but maybe just made a big hole. Ah, uh, possible. Um, you know, the the question is, what does the Empire want out of that planet? You know, they, they aren't going to expend resources just to capture a small walled city of people on a rocky, uh, you know, Monument Valley looking planet. What is it about that planet that they want? Um, whether it's threatening something, whether it's getting a natural resource, whether, you know, it, it makes me, makes me wonder any of the 17 million things that could have led to, uh, that kind of a gorgeous, beautiful, devastating destruction shot. It really is a lovely shot. Yeah. Uh, and it goes to, uh, we, you know, we quickly get a shot inside the ship of Jin and Cassian as Cassian preps for light speed for hyperspeed. Um, that's that's actually when we get the shot inside the ship that's my favorite part of it because it's when you see looking at Jin and you can see out the window the stuff whooshing just because that's something that they could never have done 30 or 40 years ago convincingly to yeah. get you to you know you just you wouldn't have a window there but now we can have windows yeah. and we can see <laughs> All right, the Gary, stuff shake the box of dirt. Yeah. and it looks so cool prep the and, dirt yeah. well, Gary <laughs> more dirt Gary <laughs> Oh, uh, and the and the way her hair is flying around. Um, yes. There has been there there's there's been some stuff from the celebration uh, video of showing how much that they put on this gimbaled set. Right. Um, and and I think that they are literally getting shaken around in there. It certainly looks like it because you're right. Her hair is all over the place in this shot. Um, yet you do get a real sense of like sort of movement and momentum. Uh, and speaking of movement, after the hyperspace jump, the very next shot is an out-of-control TIE fighter uh, spinning towards what I'm guessing is one of the Imperial Walker cockpits because it's sort of a long, thin, uh, you know, cockpit window and just smashing into the bridge. It looks great. Where are you going on holiday, Barry? Oh, figure my lap. Oh, shit. <laughs> he only had one week left till retirement. <laughs> yeah. Rest in peace, Gary. We'll miss you. Um, and this is in, because uh, we've seen the walkers on the beach, but this is in the middle of the rainstorm in the stone columns as well. You can see that out the window. Yeah. So we clearly get them, you know, you get plenty of uh, ATAT or ATACT uh, bang for your buck. I, I got to say, th- this trailer is is really great for X-Wing and TIE Fighter and X-Wing 
versus TIE fighter uh, nerds from the 90s like myself, you just get so, so much glorious uh, ship porn out of this, um, <laughs> including the, the shot that we, we go into featuring the most iconic walk of the trailer right yeah exactly this is i mean this is the big iconic moment of the trailer the next shot isn't it with Jin walking towards the camera wind blowing walking out on a platform above water and in the reverse we then realize that it's really high above the water <laughs> as a tie fighter an original old school style tie fighter rises up to to face her to meet her yeah to shoot her who knows yeah, you, you said maybe she escapes on it. I love the idea of her saying, you know what, bum leg, I don't care. She takes a running leap at it, jumps on its back, and, and rips a hole in it or something. I just, <laughs> oh, the, God, the, I want to see that. The amount of determination on her face <laughs> makes me, th- this shot by itself, they could have just said forget the whole rest of the trailer and just shown me this, and I would be in line right now for a movie that comes out three months from now. Yeah, yeah, but now I've, you've got I've, me expecting her to go all slim pickings uh, on the... <laughs> Yeehaw! Yeah. Oh, wow. It really, it's just, it's an amazing shot. And I think it it, it really does, it really matters such a lot that, that it's a woman doing that because that would normally, in 90% of trailers, that would be a guy who was doing oh, 99%, that. 99%, I think, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm I mean, trying this, to be this generous. Is the, this is the Calamity Jane shot. This is this is the Calamity yeah. Jane finally gets her own movie that everybody sees lots of explosions. Yeah. And it's it's actually got... It's only maybe in the past couple of years where I really have felt that there has been a decent amount of pandering to me that I get I get my... my I have Jessica Jones and Supergirl and Captain Marvel's getting a movie and uh, Wonder Woman's getting a movie and that and really... It wasn't until I was watching a fairly concentrated amount of this stuff together that I really realised, my God, how good does it feel to be pandered to like that? Huh. And it feels and pretty just, bad to some to, to some jerks on the internet, of course. Uh, but it feels pretty yeah, good to the rest but, of us, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. oh, that yeah, that just reminds me the the thrill of seeing the all four of the the women who getting interviewed about Ghostbusters. And I was just like, whoa. This is amazing. What is it going to be like if you're a little girl now and you start to see this as and you, and you have all these iconic figures that are yours that you get to see your flight and it's like yeah. amazing. Well, the, there's already Ghostbusters cosplay at all the uh, you know Comic Con conventions all of and, them. and yeah. since last and, and, year, the amount of little girls I personally have seen in cosplay as Ray is just incredible. There are so yeah. many of them. I know, it's fantastic. It's phenomenal. Girls and I mean, women of all ages too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the, looking back in the 90s, I know that Gillian Anderson had a, she's talked about it in interviews, had a phenomenal effect on the number of women who were going into science yep. and joining up, trying to join up the FBI. And that's one woman in one role. Yeah. And Although what a woman in what a role. <laughs> well, one of, my, one of my favorite things that I saw crop up on Twitter over the last couple of months in the lead up to Ghostbusters release was mm-hmm. a, a childhood, uh, teenagehood, Halloween photo of Kate McKinnon dressed as Scully from the X-Files. Yes, I saw that. <gasps> oh, yes. I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, that was it amazing. It made me so happy. <laughs> I, yeah, that just feels, it feels so good. And the fact that it feels that you've also, you've got something like that where you have the, the second generation of women. Because one of the, one of the problems yeah. is uh, you don't, as a woman, you have you the figures that are around 
at the moment in the present. Yeah. But the ones who are 10, 20 years old tend to get forgotten or diminished and they mm. have to be constantly reminded. They don't become a part of pop culture. But it's, there are some from the 90s like Scully that have. So there, you've got that foundation there that hasn't worn away when it's time for the next generation. So you're sort of building on it, which is it's really phenomenal. And to get to have another Star Wars movie just after the last one, and for, okay, in both of them, there is a severe lack of gender parity. But for the lead to be a woman in both of them and for the both to feel very, they, do, they, do, they don't feel, they feel very non-stereotypical is probably the best way to say this is a very iffy way. I can't think of a better way. But they're great hero characters based on the trailers I've seen from this and great. And it just, it feels so good watching them. It's I think it's wonderful that a, that a woman is running Lucasfilm now and that at Star Wars Celebration in the UK a few weeks ago, uh-huh. that they made a point of saying, yeah, okay, the gin toy is in the first wave. <laughs> not, not, <laughs> not, not immediately that's... acknowledging the where's Ray thing of, yes. okay, we, to be honest, all right, we screwed that one up. We could have made a whole gigantic amount of money if we had spun up the toy factories. We shouldn't have, uh, we shouldn't have been as uh, hesitant. Um, I, I, I yeah. like that they very, very force, forcefully said, no, yeah, we're good. Here we go. Here's the toy. It's going to be all <laughs> over store shelves weeks before the movie's out. Um, you good. know, I, I hope that they have the problem of of having to overproduce to counteract scalpers, because one of the things that the DC superhero girls line has seen mm-hmm. is the Harley Quinn toy is exclusive to Target in the US. And so. If you go into a Target, good luck finding one because there are, you know, 55-year-old men running stalls at comic conventions that are buying them up and scalping them for three times the price at Comic-Cons. <sighs> because there's such demand for them and they're just not being produced enough in enough quantities, that's something that I don't see there being as big of a problem with uh, when it comes to Star Wars because Kathleen Kennedy and Hasbro and Star Wars have and Disney have have the resources to uh, the resources and the foresight to make sure that that isn't going to be a problem. I certainly That's hope fantastic. so. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I do want a gin toy to sit next to my little Ray, my little Bastille <laughs> Well, and speaking of diversity, the next shot is, uh, you know, Jen, you get the voiceover of Jin saying, are you with me as she approaches the TIE fighter? And then you cut to Captain Cassin saying all the way. Um, and the group shot of the rebels on the transport. And this shot like merely by having two Asians, one African and one South Asian, it is already possibly the most ethnically diverse single shot in Star Wars history. By a long shot. It's brilliant. I mean, you, you've, you, you've actually got a Hispanic person in the movie at all. And, and I, think, I think that there have been South Asians, uh, there have been Asians, but I, I really am, am very strained to think of a, a single person of Hispanic heritage in the entire Star Wars live action canon up until Diego Luna. Right, right. Apart from this guy, yeah. Um, yeah, apart from, apart from this guy. Up until this point, <laughs> it just, it, it's, it's staggering to me that throughout, oh, wow, okay, Jimmy Smits. Jimmy Smits. Oh, yes, Jimmy Smits. Yep, because yep. I keep forgetting the prequels exist. Uh, I would, I would be shot uh, what digitally on Twitter if I didn't mention Jimmy Smits. Um, Who is, um, and uh, we may need to take this out, but according to Wikipedia, Jimmy Smits is actually in this movie as well. I don't oh. know who you're talking about. Who? Who? Ooh. Bail Organa. Why would Bail Organa be in this movie? Oh, I didn't know that. Probably. Maybe he's like in a call to Mon Mothma going, how's it going? Yeah, I don't know. Mon Mothma, well. Bail Organa, Darth Vader. I mean, oh, why would any of those spoil... people be in this movie? We're just getting there. You had to spoil things. I was going to say, I, I, this no, is... I was, ju- I was just asking, why would somebody like that be no, in, the... Wait, not in this him? movie? No, not him. Not 
All right. So the rebel, the rebel ship, the ramp closes, uh, and we get a lovely little half smile from Jin. Um, just to, you know, and then fade to black, the end. But it's not. Oh, no, it's not the end because we get the rear shot of Darth Vader's helmet uh, in front of a, <gasps> a Death Star targeting screen, Sorry. what looks like. That's not the Death Star targeting screen. He's reading the Gallifreyan language. <laughs> very good, very good. That's it. Uh, and Gallifreyan, I barely know her. And the breath, you know, the <laughs> sound. Because that's all you need, really, isn't it? That's all oh. you need. They were Speaking so of people lucky who make with- sure that their armor is uh, shined well. <laughs> it's always yeah. very shiny. They were very lucky with their whole design of Darth Vader that it just so happens that over a quarter of a century later they can wheel out the actual proper person to do the actual proper voice and make it sound and look exactly as it should be. Right, although I must admit I am a little surprised because apparently James Earl Jones is returning for this and I'm told that or you know by the internet anyway that it's a very small role it's very much a cameo um yeah it does feel like it should be right i I agree but i think it's a bit of a mistake to wheel james earl jones out again because this is not the last movie that we're going to see vader in i mean let's let's face it you know he is gonna pop up again in another of these anthology movies no he's dead now he's no in the the anthology movies i'm talking about no we'll never see him again but they they are you know, gonna I, need uh, there's there's a there's a there's a big span of time between the empire strikes back and the return of the jedi uh during which countless adventures like that of dash rendar could happen right and uh, the extended universe has already you know already spent the last 25 years filling in every microsecond of that gap and now they're free to do it all over again um they well, are gonna need even, even to sub in an impressionist yeah. eventually sooner or later they are going to have to get a voice impression. What are you saying? Rather than they'll, 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 they'll get they'll get Taze on Day, the uh, the chocolate rain guy. He does a great James Earl. But that's my point. Is like, why not <laughs> start? To... Why not do that now? Why not start with this new movie, the new style of movie? Because James Earl part. Jones would be horrendously upset. I... And why would you upset James it, Earl Jones? It'd I... be like saying Anthony Daniels uh, once, uh, you know, once uh, once his quote. Let's pay somebody half as much and not get Anthony Daniels. Yeah, in, that's so rude. In Anthony's defense, yeah. uh, James Earl Jones is providing the voice of Darth Vader in uh, the Star Wars Rebels animated series. That is true. And that was and, r- sorry. And he doesn't quite sound <gasps> right. He sounds Get older. At, oh, you, 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 <laughs> Ages. you, you person, you. You, you. Uh, I, How dare I, you suggest I that James Earl Jones is affected by the passage of time? How dare exactly. you? Exactly. <laughs> That's shocking. I thought he, he was absolutely wonderful. It does, when, when you've got a Star Wars thing, it does feel like, especially something like this, when you're so close to that thing, not to have a little sort of glimpse of Vader. It does feel like you've been maybe a little bit cheated somehow, but you just give them that little taste and then people are generally happy that people who think it's a bad idea, they're not too pissed off because it was only a little bit. Yeah. And it felt like a bit like that in Star Wars Rebels, which is taking place even just a little bit earlier than this. Where, But Darth Vader's got to be this absolutely terrifying figure because if Darth Vader ever went toe-to-toe with our little group of rebels there, then surely they would all be wiped out, which is exactly what happens. They are just useless when Darth Vader turns up, clears them up, mm-hmm. and basically all they can do is run very, very fast. 
and <laughs> it just it just oh i don't know it just yeah. feels like he should be there just for a moment or two oh, yeah absolutely, for me absolutely for me, vader should be doom, there false doom is immortal he must he must be but part of you, the fabric of this <laughs> yeah. you can you Deep can cut. maybe Maybe they can get him to record quite a lot of Darth Vaderish lines now, and then just make a movie around the lines. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's even now, more. These rebels will not defeat. Us. That's even more morbid than just finding a voice impressionist. <laughs> yeah. I, I so, think- now let's let's speculate for a moment on just what Vader might be doing in this movie. Um, the Marvel comics that are currently being produced are canon. And uh, Moises so and good. I have so Moises good. and I have uh, geeked out a little bit offline about uh, if you if you like murder droids in this movie, you've got to get the Darth Vader comic. Um, okay, the- who's writing it? Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan, one All of the right. greatest writers in comics. Yep, there you really. Go. So I'll tell him. Yeah, but um, the setup in the early going of that comic is. Um, Poor Darth Vader is on the outs because the Death Star got blown up and the Emperor is blaming him for it. And part of the blame is that Vader let the plans escape so that Vader could track the Rebellion to their secret base. Ah. So I think we might see a little bit of that happen in this movie. Ah, that would oh, be yeah, of course, because yeah. that, that makes sense. Vader, Vader laying his plans. The, the, the Darth Vader series does such a, a magnificent job of marrying what many people find problematic in the, you know, but golly, I'm Anakin Skywalker and nothing goes right for me kind of whiny teenage brat from the prequels with the Darth Vader that is dark and imposing and powerful and, you know, bounces back from uh, from each each setback. Um, yeah. But I, I, I like that we get we're getting that additional texture to the character. You know, I, I went back and I, I watched uh, the original Star Wars a uh, number of weeks back. And in light of Rogue One, as they as they board the rebel uh, uh, ship, when he says there won't be anyone to stop us this time, I'm paraphrasing probably. Um, I, I I like that that we're effectively getting a, a movie adaptation of one line of Darth Vader's from A New Hope. <laughs> yeah, if you think about it a certain way. What could be more fitting for a bunch of nerds who have just spent almost two hours talking about a 90 second trailer? <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, we are following in the footsteps of greatness. We are. All hail the mighty Syracuse. I think we have yeah. extracted just about every last ounce of fun that we can from the trailer, though. So let's, uh, well, it's time for us to make a daring escape while the network collapses around us uh, and make the jump into hyperspace before Jason can reactivate the tractor beam. So. Thank you, everyone. Uh, Congratulations on making it through alive. Unlike, I suspect, many of the people that we have just been discussing in this trailer. Thank you, Chip Suddeth. You're welcome. Uh, We all owe you a debt, Liz Miles. I'm so sorry. And good shooting, Moises Chuyan. I hope we didn't let anyone down who was expecting John Syracuse, but there is a 97.6% chance of failure. (laughs) I have been your rebel leader, Anthony Johnston, and thanks to everyone out there in the core systems for listening. Good night, and may the Force be with you.